0: Allah alaykum, brothers and sisters, I'm Sister B, and welcome to Islamic Audio Bites. I'll be continuing to read Stories of the Prophets by Ibn Kathid, which can be accessed at galamullah.com Let's read. Page 208. Yathrib, named al-Madina, al-Munawwara the Illuminated City. When the Prophet, peace be upon him, and his companions settled at Yathrib, this city changed its name, and henceforth was called al Madina al-Munawwara, the Illuminated City, or more shortly, Medina, the City. It is situated about 11 days' journey to the north of Mecca. At the time, it was ruled by two Qatanite tribes, Aus and Khazraj, These two tribes, however, were constantly quarrelling among themselves. It was only about that time when the Prophet, peace be upon him, announced his mission at Mecca that these tribes, after long years of continuous warfare, entered on a period of comparative peace. When the Prophet, peace be upon him, settled at Medina, the tribes of Aus and Khazraj forgot entirely their old feuds and were united together in the bond of Islam. Their old divisions were soon effaced and the Ansar, the helpers of the Prophet, became the common designation of all Medinites who had helped the Prophet, peace be upon him, in his cause. Those who emigrated with him from Mecca received the title of Muhajireen, or the emigrants. The Prophet, peace be upon him, in order to unite both classes in closer bonds, established between them a brotherhood which linked them together as children of the same parents, with the Prophet, peace be upon him, as their guardians. Allah's Apostle settles in Medina. The first step the Prophet, peace be upon him, took after his settlement at Medina was to build a mosque for the worship of Allah according to the principles of Islam. Also, houses for the accommodation of the emigrants were soon erected. Muhammad's Charter Jews and Muslims unite to defend against enemies. Medina and its suburb were at this time inhabited by three distinct parties: the emigrants, the helpers, and the Jews. In order to weld them together into an orderly federation, the Prophet peace be upon him granted a charter to the people, clearly defining their rights and obligations. This charter represented the framework of the first commonwealth organized by the Prophet, peace be upon him. It started thus. In the name of he, most merciful and compassionate Lord, this charter is given by Mohammed, the messenger of Allah, to all believers, whether of Quraysh or Medina, and all individuals, whatever origin, who were made common cause with them, who shall all constitute one nation. The following are some extracts from the Charter. The state of peace and war shall be common to all Muslims. No one among them shall have the right of concluding peace with or declaring war against the enemies of his co-religionists. The Jews who attach themselves to our Commonwealth shall be protected from all insults and vexations. They shall have an equal right with our people to our assistance. And good offices. The Jews of the various branches, and all others docile in Medina, shall form with the Muslims one composite nation. They shall practice their religion as freely as the Muslims. The allies of the Jews shall enjoy the same security and freedom. The guilty shall be pursued and punished. The Jews shall join the Muslims in defending Medina against all enemies. The interior of Medina shall be a sacred place for all who accept this charter. All true Muslims shall hold in abhorrence every man guilty of crime, injustice or disorder. No one shall uphold the culpable, though he be his nearest kin. After dealing with the interior management of the state, the charter concluded as follows. All future disputes arising among those who accept this charter, shall be referred under Allah to the Prophet. Thus, this charter put an end to the state of anarchy that prevailed among the Arabs. It constituted the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, as chief magistrate of the nation. Charter faces mutiny inside enemies, the hypocrites and unsatisfied Jews. The party of the Ansars, or helpers, included some lukewarm converts who retained an ill-concealed predilection for idolatry. These were headed by Abdullah ibn Obey, a man with some claims to distinction. They ostensibly joined Islam, but in secret were disaffected. They often were a source of considerable danger to the newborn Commonwealth and required unceasing watchfulness on the part of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Towards them, he always showed the greatest patience and forbearance, hoping in the end to win them over to the faith, With expectations were fully justified by the result. With the death of Abdullah ibn Ubay, his party, which were known as the party of the Munafiqeen, the hypocrites, disappeared. The Jews, who constituted the third party of the Medinites, were, however, the most serious element of danger. No kindness or generous treatment on the behalf of the Prophet, peace be upon him, would seem to satisfy them. They soon broke off and ranged themselves with the enemies of the new faith. They did not hesitate to declare openly that they preferred idolatry with its attendant evils to the faith of Islam. Thus, the Prophet, peace be upon him, had to keep an eye on his enemies outside Medina on the one hand and those within the city on the other. The Meccans, who had sworn Mohammed's death, were well acquainted, thanks to the party of the hypocrites and of the Jews of Medina, with the real forces of the Muslims. They also knew that the Jews had accepted Mohammed's alliance only from motives of temporary expedience and that they would break away from him to join the idolaters as soon as the latter showed themselves in the vicinity of Medina. The safety of the state required the prescription of the traitors who were secretly giving information to the common enemy. About six men were executed for high treason of this nature. Medina under sabotage-style attacks on food, cattle, etc. Towards the second year of the Hijra, the idolaters of Mecca began a series of hostile acts against the Muslims of Medina. They sent men in parties to commit depredations of the fruit trees of the Muslims of Medina and to carry away their flocks. Now came the moment of the severest trial to Islam. It became the duty of the Prophet, peace be upon him, to take serious measures to guard against any plot rising from within or a sudden attack from without. Battle of Badr, Meccan troop formations approaching Medina. Allah's Prophet, peace be upon him, put Medina in a state of military discipline. He had to send out frequent reconnoitering parties to guard against any sudden onslaught. No sooner did the Prophet organise a high state than a large, well-equipped army of the Meccans was afield. A force constituting of 1,000 men marched under Abu Jahl, a great enemy of Islam, towards Medina to attack the city the Muslims received timely notice of their enemy's intention. A body of 300 adherents, to whom two-thirds were citizens of Medina, were gathered to forestall the idolaters by occupying the valley of Badr, situated near the sea between Mecca and Medina. When the Prophet, peace be upon him, saw the army of the infidels approaching the valley, he prayed that the little band of Muslims might not be destroyed. Victory. Battle Badr is won. The army of the Meccans advanced into the open space which separated Muslims from the idolaters. According to Arab usage, the battle was begun by simple combats, the engagement that became general. The result of the battle was that the Meccans were driven back with great loss. Several of their chiefs were slain, including Abu Jahl. Allah's set rules of treatment for POWs, prisoners of war. A large number of idolaters remained prisoners in the hands of the Muslims. They were, contrary to all usage and traditions of the Arabs, treated with the greatest humanity. The Prophet, peace be upon him, gave strict orders that sympathy should be shown to them in their misfortune and that they should be treated with kindness. These instructions were faithfully obeyed by the Muslims to whose care the prisoners were confided. Dealing with this event, Sir William Muir, in his book of Life of Muhammad, quotes one of the prisoners saying, "Blessing be on the men of Medina! They made us ride while they themselves walked. They gave us wheat and bread to eat when there was so little of it, contenting themselves with dates." Almighty Allah said, "And Allah." has already made you victorious at Badr when you are weak little force. So fear Allah much, abstain from all kinds of sins and evil deeds which he has forbidden, and love Allah much. Perform all kinds of good deeds which he has ordained, that you may be grateful. Remember when you, Muhammad, said to the believers, Is it not enough for you that your Lord, Allah, should help you with 3,000 angels? Send down? Yes, if you hold on to patience and piety and the enemy comes rushing at you, your Lord will help you with five thousand angels having marks of distinction. Allah made it, but not as a message of good news for you, but as an assurance to your hearts. And there is no victory except from Allah, the Almighty, the All-Wise, that he might cut off a part of those who disbelieve or expose to them infamy so that they retire frustrated. What are 3, verse 123-127? The remarkable circumstances which led to the victory of Badr and results which followed from it made a deep impression on the minds of the Muslims. The angels of heaven had battled on their side against the enemies. The division of the spoils created some dissension between the Muslim warriors. For the moment, the Prophet, peace be upon him, Divided it equally among all. Subsequently, a Qur'an revelation lay down a rule for future division of the spoils. According to this rule, a fifth was reserved for the public treasury for the support of the poor and indigent, while the distribution of the remaining four-fifths was left to the discretion of the chief of the state. Meccan Avenge loss in Butter Battle of Uhud The next battle between the Quraysh and the Muslims was the Battle of Uhud, a hill about four miles to the north of Medina. The idolaters, to revenge their loss at Badr, made tremendous preparations for a new attack upon the Muslims. They collected an army of 3,000 strong men, of whom 700 were armed with coats of mail and 200 horses. These forces Advanced under the conduct of Abu Sufyan and encamped at a village six miles from Medina, where they gave themselves up to spoiling the fields and flocks of the Medinites. The Prophet peace be upon him, being much inferior to his enemies in number, at first determined to keep himself within the town and to receive them there, but afterwards the advice of some of his companions prevailing, he marched out against them at the head of one thousand men, of whom. One hundred were armed with coats of mail, but he had no more than one horse besides his own in his whole army. With these forces, he halted at Mount Uhud. He was soon abandoned by Abdullah ibn Ubay, the leader of the hypocrites, with three hundred of his followers. Thus, the small force of the Prophet, peace be upon him, was reduced to seven hundred. At Mount Uhud, the Muslim troops passed the night, and in the morning, after offering their prayers, they advanced into the plain. The Prophet peace be upon him contrived to have the hill at his back, which was better to secure his men from being surrounded. He placed fifty arches on the height in the rear behind the troops and gave them strict orders not to leave their posts whatever might happen. When they came to engage, the Prophet peace be upon him had superiority at first, but afterwards. His archers left their position for the sake of plunder, thus allowing the enemy to attack the Muslims in fear and surround them. The Prophet, peace be upon him, lost the day and very nearly lost his life. He was struck down by a shower of stones and wounded in the face by two arrows and one of his front teeth was broken. Of the Muslims, 70 men were killed, among whom the Prophet, peace be upon him,'s uncle, Hamza. Of the infidels, 22 men were lost. Exhausted Quraysh leave Medina victorious. The Quraysh were too exhausted to follow up their advantage, either by attacking Medina or by driving the Muslims from the heights of a hood. They retreated from the Medinite territories after barbarously mutilating the corpses of their dead enemies. Almighty Allah said, so, do not become weak against your enemy, nor be sad, and you will be superior in victory if you are indeed true believers. if a wound and killing has touched you, be sure a similar wound and killing has touched the others, and so are the days good and not so good. We give to men by turns that Allah may test those who believe, and He may take martyrs from among you, and Allah likes not the. Zalamin, polytheists and wrongdoers, and that Allah may test or purify the believers from sins and destroy the disbelievers. Did you think that you will enter paradise before Allah tests those of you who fought in his cause and also tests those who are patient? You did indeed wish for death, a shahada, martyrdom, before you met it. Now you have seen it openly with your own eyes. Quran 3, verse 139-143 Allah the Exalted also said, We shall cast terror into hearts of those who disbelieve because they joined others in worship with Allah for which he has sent no authority. Their abode will be the fire and how evil is the abode of the Zalamin, polytheists and wrongdoers. And Allah did indeed fulfil his promise to you when you were killing them, your enemy with his permission, until the moment you lost your courage and fell to disputing about the order and disobeyed after he showed you of the booty which you love. Among you are some that desire this world and some that desire the hereafter. Then he made you flee from them, your enemy, and he might test you, but surely he forgave you and Allah is most gracious to the believers. And remember, when you ran away, dreadfully, without even casting a side glance at anyone, and the messenger, Muhammad, was in your rear, calling you back, there did Allah give you one distress after another by way of requital to teach you not to grieve for that which had escaped you, nor that which had befallen you. And Allah is well aware of all that you do. Then after the distress... He sent down security for you. Slumber overtook a party of you while another party was thinking about themselves as how to save themselves, ignoring the others and the Prophet, and thought wrongly of Allah, the thought of ignorance. They said, Have we any part in the affair? Say you, O Muhammad, indeed, the affair belongs wholly to Allah. They hide within themselves what they dare not reveal to you, saying, if you had anything to do with the affair, none of us would have been killed here. Say, even if you had remained in your homes, those for whom death was decreed would certainly have gone forth to the place of their death. But that Allah might test what is in your breasts and to Mahis to test, to purify, to get rid of, and that which was in your hearts, sins. And Allah is all-knower of what is in your breasts. Quran 3 verse 151 to 154 Narrated, Albara ibn Azib The Prophet, peace be upon him, appointed Abdullah ibn Jubair as the commander of the infantrymen, archers who were fifty on the day of the battle of Uhud. He instructed them, stick to your place and don't leave it even if you see birds snatching us till I send for you And if you see that we have defeated the infidels and made them flee, even then you should not leave your place till I send for you. Then the infidels were defeated. By Allah, I saw the women fleeing, lifting up their clothes, revealing their leg bangles and their legs. So the companions of Abdullah ibn Jubair said, The booty, O people, the booty, your companions have become victorious. What are you waiting for now? Abdullah ibn Jubair said, Have you forgotten what Allah's messenger said to you? They replied, By Allah, we will go to the people, the enemy, and collect our share from the war booty. But when they went to them, they were forced to turn back, defeated. At that time, Allah's messenger, in their rear, was calling them back. Only twelve men remained with the Prophet, peace be upon him, and the infidels martyred seventy men from us. The Prophet, peace be upon him, and his companions caused the pagans to lose 140 men, 70 of whom were captured and 70 were killed. Then Abu Savian asked three times, Is Muhammad present among these people? The Prophet, peace be upon him, ordered his companions not to answer him. Then he asked three times, Is Ibn Abu Qahafa present among these people? He asked again three times, is Ibn al Khattab present among these people? He then returned to his companions and said, As for these men, they have been killed. Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, could not control himself and said to Abu Sufyan, You told a lie by Allah. O enemy of Allah, all those you have mentioned are alive, and the thing which will make you unhappy is still there. Abu Sufyan said, Our victory today compensates for yours in the battle of Badr, and in war, the victory is always undecided and is shared in turns by the belligerents. You will find some of your killed men mutilated, but I did not urge my men to do so, yet I do not feel sorry for their deed. After that, he started reciting cheerfully, O Khubal, be superior. On that, the Prophet, peace be upon him, said to his companions, why don't you answer back? They said, O oh, Allah's messenger, what shall we say? He said, Say, Allah is higher and more sublime. Then Abu Sufyan said, We have the idol of Al Uzza, and you have no Uzza. The Prophet, peace be upon him, said to his companions, Why don't you answer him back? They said, O Allah's Messenger, what shall we say? He said, Say, Allah is our helper, and you have no helper. Say, Al Bukhari. The moral effect of this disastrous battle. Was such to encourage some neighbouring nomad tribes to make forays upon the Medinite territories, but most of these were repelled. More mutiny as charter members caused dissent. The Jews were also not slow to involve in trouble with the Prophet, peace be upon him, and his followers. They tried to create disaffection among his people and slandered him and his adherents. They mispronounced the words of the Qur'an so as to give them an offensive meaning. They also caused their poets, who were superior in culture and intelligence, to use their influence to sow sedition among the Muslims. One of their distinguished poets, called Gab of the Bani and Nadir, spared no efforts in publicly deploring the ill success of the idolaters after their defect at Badr. By his satires, against the Prophet peace be upon him and his disciples and his elegies on the Meccans who had fallen at Badr. Gab succeeded in exciting the Quraysh to that frenzy of vengeance which broke out at Uhud. He then returned to Medina where he continued to attack the Prophet peace be upon him and the Muslims, men and women, in terms of the most obscene character. Though he belonged to the tribe of Bani and Nadir, which had entered into the contract with the Muslims and pledged itself both for the internal and external safety of the state, he openly directed his attacks against the Commonwealth, of which he was a member. Another Jew, Salam by name, of the same tribe, behaved equally fiercely and bitterly against the Muslims. He lived with a party of his tribe at Khaibar, a village five days' journey northwest of Medina he made every effort to excite the neighbouring Arab tribes against the Muslims. The Muslim Commonwealth, with the object of securing safety among the community, passed a sentence of outlawry upon Gab and Salam. The members of another Jewish tribe, namely Beni Qanuka, were sentenced to expulsion from the Medinite territory for having openly and knowingly infringed the terms of the contract it was necessary to put an end to their hostile actions for the sake of maintaining peace and security. The Prophet, peace be upon him, had to go to their headquarters where he required them to enter definitively into the Muslim Commonwealth by embracing Islam or to leave Medina. To this, they replied in the most offensive terms, you have had a quarrel with men ignorant of the art of war. If you are desirous of having any dealings with us, we shall show you that we are men. They then shut themselves up in their fortress and set the Prophet peace be upon him and his authority at defiance. The Muslims decided to reduce them and laid siege to their fortress without loss of time. After 15 days they surrendered. Though the Muslims at first intended to inflict some severe punishment on them. They contented themselves by banishing the Banikunuga. That is the end of part four of Our Prophet, Peace Be Upon Him, story. Please do leave a review and rating wherever you listen and do share the podcast with your family and friends. We are on all the major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and we're also on YouTube as a voice-only channel. Do check out our website at islamicaudiobytes.com and our various social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as well. If you'd like to contact us directly, please do so at sisterb007 at gmail.com. As always, a good day is full well of goodness as from.